All right, everybody, welcome to what I'm going to call a Cubs pod to be named later. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Thank you for everyone checking out my very first Cubs pod to be named later. Why am I calling it that? Because I don't, I couldn't think of a name. Um, if you are here, you probably, I'm imagining a lot of the first, first time listeners, first one I'm doing, what am I talking about, Joe? Get into gear. Come on, damn it. Step it up. All right. A little background about me. I am a stand-up comedian, born and raised in the great city of Chicago. I have been performing stand-up, geez, for like over 10 years or so now, 12, 13 years. And I've got a lot of stand-up comedy content on YouTube. I've uh, traveled this great country as a headliner uh, doing stand-up comedy. I've done a few things here or there, some small TV credits. I've worked with some big, big names. Not bragging, but I have. And, uh, and now I'm doing a Cubs podcast. I have uh, another podcast called the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub, in which I just simply drink with people. We kind of recreate bar conversations, current events, also like you know silly random stuff, and a little bit of sports on that one too. But this one is going to be dedicated to all things Chicago Cubs. I absolutely love the Cubs. I've been a diehard Cubs fan since I could remember. Favorite player growing up was Andre Dawson. Current favorite player is Anthony Rizzo. Slash a lot of people because I'm a big fan of this Cubs team and I'm gonna I'm gonna break a lot of that down. Now today on Twitter I lost my mind. I think that's why I decided to do this podcast. I'm like enough of this. I need an outlet. Damn it! I've been guests on other baseball podcasts. I used to do a baseball podcast called Comedians Talking Baseball. That was baseball in general. We were trying to get a wide audience, but I started when I was living in L.A. I live in Chicago though, and I love the Cubs. I mean, we'll talk. I'll talk some obviously baseball in general on this podcast too. Don't get me wrong. But I think this is the podcast I should have always been doing because I'm so damn obsessed with my Cubs. And yeah, they're mine. You guys ever see Braveheart? When the one Irish dude's like, my island? So yeah, it's mine. That's how I feel about the Cubs. They're mine, damn it. And uh, and I, I lost it on Twitter. Now, the Cubs lost 7 nothing to the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was an absolute ugly game. And yeah, listen, Cubs fans, I get the frustration. I get the anger. But I don't like the negativity. That I don't get, and I don't really respect. Um, I could see being like, uh, being pissed off, and being like, "What the hell?" And being generally annoyed. I understand that, but when I see tweets where you're trashing people who brought you joy over these last five years, that I won't stand by. That I don't like. So no, this podcast isn't going to be me going after Cubs Twitter on every episode. I am going to try to have some fun with it. I do. Daily Cubs post-game recaps. After, after every game, I, I hop on Twitter. I do a two-minute and 20-second recap. I don't really break down X's and O's because I imagine a lot of people who are watching the recaps also saw the game. So I try to have some fun with it. And I do some, you know, I analyze the game as well, mixing some humor. And I also try to give some real suggestions on what the Cubs could do going forward, try to find some silver linings. And that's what I'd like this podcast to be. Try to replicate that in long form right here for everyone. So thank you for everyone for checking this out for the very first time. I want to give a shout out to some Twitter accounts or some really good ones on Cubs Twitter. Instead of complaining about all the bad ones, let me, I'll throw out a few ones that are really good. Uh, Dom Frederick, the director of morale, the Dom, that guy's fantastic. He's been inspiring. I think he's was my portal into Cubs Twitter because even though I've been on Twitter as a long time, I was mostly for stand up comedy purposes. My tweets were all trying to be funny, you know, I'm much better on Instagram, and my TikTok's been doing wonderful lately. So I think those are better mediums for me. So now I have no problem. I've lost some followers I know from switching my account to mostly all Cub stuff. So and and you new Cub fan followers don't don't leave for a bad joke. Stick around if you can. 
So I have no problem making this about the Cubs though, but I want to give him a shout out because I started seeing like some people, I regular friends of mine who aren't in comedy, just sports fan buddies of mine were liking his stuff and retweeting him. And I'm like, Oh, this guy's hilarious. And he's like positive. He's like, well, I'll run through a fucking brick wall, get your hard hats on. I'm like, this guy's amazing. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, I started following him and then, you know, you start tweeting about the team and with Twitter's algorithm, you start to see some other accounts, San Ranto, Danny rocket, great dude, bleacher Jeff, who I met through the great, uh, the late great Brody Stevens, who's a big Cubs fan close to, uh, Borzello, who's a Cubs coach and uh, other players in the Cubs, David Ross, of course, and Anthony Rizzo. So that was a major blow. His death He's a good comedian friend of mine. So, um, not to get, I don't know why I just got. I made this a little bit of a downer all of a sudden, but, uh, and then you Crawley's Cubs kingdom. Crawley actually had an interesting take about positive Cubs fans versus the negative ones. Now it wasn't, now this, me and him are going to do a podcast. Maybe I'll have him on this one. Once I get this one going a little bit, I think the first episode too, will probably just be me until I, you know, get into a little bit of a rhythm here where he said that there are two types of Cubs fans. There's your Ernie Banks's and your Ron Santos where Ron would get angry and broadcast and be like, come on, you know, you do, he was that type and I think Crawley was saying that he, I'm not, I don't think Crawley said that Crawley is a Ron Santo Cubs fan. And I am very clearly an Ernie Banks one. Now, I just think that's the more fun fan to be. And my whole thing was where I always had blind optimism with the Cubs. And not blind. I, I knew when they were bad. The 2011 Cubs were atrocious and one of the least fun seasons I've ever had watching baseball. They were, remember the Mike Quaddy Cubs? Yeah. I'm hoping just hearing the Mike Quaddy Cubs is enough for some of you out there to be like, you know what? Damn it, Joe's right. I need to start enjoying this time. Because even though the offense is struggling badly, we are going to the playoffs for the fifth time in six years. That cannot be emphasized hard enough. Anytime I, they, I see a loss like the last couple to Pittsburgh, and believe me, they've made me, they've made me mad. I'm a human. I've seen this. It's been frustrating. You think I'm at home being like, it's okay. No, it's, it sucks. But it depends how you know how do you handle that energy? How do you handle that anger? You channel it into some positive energy? So I'm trying to find out. But yeah, it's been it's been um it's been rough. But like I just I think the again, I don't have blind optimism because I'm a realist in the same regard too. But I always think it's better to go into it thinking, you know what? I like this team. I'm gonna root hard for them. I'm not leaving, as the Dom says. I'm I'm here thick and thin. That's what a real fan does. A real fan supports their team no matter what. But then on the same side, I'm not I'm not mad at fans. I, look, I was pretty furious with the Cubs not spending any money, and I didn't go to the Cubs convention. I know a lot of other people were like, I'm not going either. That I'm cool with. Because if you're just going to complain, I, I know a lot of people on, on Twitter were just complaining, complaining, complaining. And I'm like, well, you're, you're doing all this complaining, but you're still spending every dime you have on them. You know? I, I, you could support, I support by just watching them. And to be honest, if, if they were going to do a thing where Marquee Network was going to be like, you know, there was stupid rumors, though, early on. And I'm, 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 I like the Marquee Network a lot, so I'm glad it worked out for everybody and they got on Comcast and all that. But remember there was rumors it's going to be like, it's going to be a fortune. If there was going to be a fortune going into the 2020 year, and this is obviously before the whole uh, COVID shut everything down. I'm talking about like in January when these rumors were start, first starting to float. I would have very easily been like, no, I'm not paying for that. I'll listen to the games on the radio because I'm not a fan of what you guys are doing right now where you're – shutting down spending because you don't want to pay a couple million in a tax. I think that's a poor move. You went way under the luxury tax in 2012, 2013, 2014, and even 2015 they were under. They've only gone over twice in Theo Epstein's era. 2016 they went over, 2019 and then 2020 they've gone over. 
I think they would have tried to get under if, you know, typical, you know, spring training has slid a couple more weeks. And usually there's a trade or two before that. Someone gets hurt and you assess things a little differently. So I'm not even sure. Or even if I care. This is a major, the luxury tax is, yeah, it's there to try to even things out for the small market teams. But we're not a small market team. We're the Chicago Cubs. Plain and simple. I'm not saying just spend money for the sake of spending money. You should still try to spend wisely. And you don't want to go over the luxury tax too hardly because obviously other teams like the Dodgers, who are way over this year, but they tried to get under recently. The Yankees got under recently. Other Boston's gotten under this year when they you know made that huge trade of Mookie Betts and David Price. I just think we need to operate at another at a different level now. This the Cubs organization is not where it was in 2012. The infrastructure, the training facilities, everything is 100% top class. Um, there's some areas of like uh, development that we're gonna that we started to improve this off season that will continue to improve. Maybe there was a year or two where we might have slipped a little on that, but I still it doesn't take long to flip the script, especially when you have the people we have. I and I and I know a lot of people have been down on them, and I'll get to why you shouldn't be down on them and why you should still believe. Okay, because these are Hall of Famers we have running our organization. From a front office standpoint, the Ernie Banks Cubs fan in me, why am I always optimistic? Why have I always been a guy that's wanted to have that believe bracelet on and, and just to try to spin every little move that they used to make? Even when I, there were times where I'm like, mm, it's gonna be, this is bad. You know, um, you know, there's some moves where you're just like, this isn't going to pan out back in the day. Like the, you know, the 2005 Cubs, those six Cubs we were like, Oh, yeah, one year Jeremy Burnett's. That's that's what's gonna push those over the top. And that's no that's not a knock on Jeremy Burnett's. He had some he had some big years in Milwaukee. I'm sure he's a good dude. Looks like a fun guy to go bowling with. I always thought it's better to be a positive fan and to be a fan that you know puts your heart on your sleeve a little bit. Because when I said to myself, when that day comes, when the Cubs do win it all, to quote the Eddie Vedder song. On that day, you know, when the Cubs finally go all the way, I know that I'm going to enjoy it more than the people who every time something little went wrong, they couldn't wait to say, same old Cubs, same old Cubs, there, there he goes again, same old Cubs, as if like what happened in previous years. That is what always got me. And this is like a Chicago sports fan thing that we need to drop because compared to a lot of other cities, we actually pretty good. Blackhawks have won Stanley, three Stanley Cups over the last decade. I know the Bulls haven't done much recently, and they've been a pretty poorly run, but the future's looking better there. Billy Donovan hiring. Also, greatest team of all time. Six titles. Greatest player of all time in that sport. You know, the Bears, sadly, have only won one Super Bowl, but still have given you so sports. Being a sports fan to me is about the moments more than it's about the winning and losing. Obviously, winning brings you more moments. But think about like the moments, like you know, the Bears have had some sick moments. Even even them, like the '85 Bears, one of the greatest teams of all time. Walter Payton, one of the greatest players of all time. You had Dick Butkus, Gail Sayers, R.I.P. So there's been like you know, obviously there's been a lot of hardships there. But I just think as Chicago sports fans, we have this mentality of oh, a bad thing happened a couple decades ago, so therefore it's going to happen again. Like I remember people bringing up the '69 Cubs. A lot, like not recently, but I mean, like in 2015, 2016, you know, before we knew what was going to happen. And again, those fans who just can't wait to be miserable, they'd be like, okay, yeah, this year the Cubs will go all the way. I said that in 1960. What does the 69 Cubs have to do with the 2015 Cubs? What does that have to 
you have a team full of people who weren't born in 1969. They can give a shit. They don't care. They're, you know what I mean? That's why I love that, that 2016 team. That's where I'll give Joe Madden his credit. He was very good about taking the pressure off a young team. Very good. I definitely think the move was necessary. I think his bullpen choices have, have gone awry. And, um, and yeah, I just think he, he, you know, a change needed to be made. But I'll always, always be thankful for him um, as manager because he, again, took the pressure off. The Cubs had made mistakes that they overcame. And I think that's a lot of the looseness that he created and having those players believe in themselves. Where in the past, and some of that I feel like was a little bit of an effect of, uh, of a frustrated fan base, which, again, I get. I, I'm one of you a lot of times. Where I feel like that frustrated fan base weighed on the players. Didn't it feel like that? You guys didn't feel that way? You didn't notice that? Remember in 2008, Cubs were up 2 nothing. And then a grand slam happened. They were down 4-2 in the NLDS against the Dodgers. I think Manny Ramirez hit the grand slam. And that grand slam happened, and you felt like all the life got sucked out of Wrigley. I'm like, we're down by two. Why is, it, why is everyone acting like the game's over? And I'm seeing that same attitude come back. And I hated that attitude in 2008, and you bet your dick I hate it now. So I, I'm, I'm going to try to fight it. I'm going to fight it wherever I see the injustice of poor fandom. I will be out there. I'm not trying to be the Dom. There's only one director of morale. And, um, and, and again, props to that dude. Uh, but I want to be on the board of trustees, damn it. I'm not, I'm not trying to become a director. But I want to be, I want to be in on the meetings. That's what I want, damn it. I want to be in on those meetings. There's still a lot to love about this Cubs team. Got a lot of great people. You got the emergence of Ian Happ. I know he's been struggling lately, but you're going to look back on the season and be like, hey, it was a great year. And a lot of people are like, was it just small sample size? And then you can't say it for the bad guys, for the guys who have been bad years. The small sample size goes out the window there, too. Is that what we're going we're gonna to do? You're going to find every way to be negative. Yes, yeah, so when I was going off on my Twitter rants, I was posting these videos today, everyone. And again, I think that's probably how a lot of you, hopefully, who are listening to this, probably came in contact with me because a lot of Cubs fans were reaching out to me being like, hell yeah, dude, I'm on your side with that one. Is I just think some of these people really aren't Cubs fans. I don't, I, I, I know who am I to judge how someone gets to be a fan and all that kind of stuff. But I think some people are just born and raised a Cubs fan. It becomes part of their routine. They go to Cubs games because they love Wrigley Field. But like they're really not, they, they're just they're too quick to point out the negative. And, and I, that has to be the case. Because again, and even before this recent stretch, I know some people will be like, oh, this recent stretch. No, dude, you were like this when we were 13 and six. Remember we were 13 and three, and I think we lost three in a row to be 13 and six. That's when I first started seeing them just be like, Bleh. and I was just like, come on. I'm gonna do a podcast where I break down the 2018 season. Not exact, I'm not gonna go month by month. We all know what happened and it ended badly, but I, I think that's a pivotal, that's like a turning point with the fan base. Where the the that's when the 2016 honeymoon ended fast. Now I don't want us to be a fan base that just 2016, 2016. I don't want us to be like these. Some of these 85 Bears fans, I don't want that. And uh, and, and again, I but I definitely think you, there needs to be some perspective on what happened exactly that year. You know, so actually, why don't I, I got time? Obviously, I wanted to keep, I want to keep this podcast around half an hour for you guys. Again, this first one I'm doing here, I think I'll probably have some guests on in the off season. I'll do some fun stuff for everybody. I've got a fun one I want to do soon. I do my Cubs post game recaps. I was wearing an Avengers shirt during one of them. I want to do like if the Cubs were Avengers, who would be who? Who would be Iron Man? Who would be Spider Man? Who would be the Incredible Hulk? I think that'd be a kind of fun thing to do. Because I'm like, I'm in between the hot stove action. I think I'm going to do like a, uh, almost like a history 
lesson for some of you in some of these podcasts. Not that people need a history lesson. That sounded dickish on my end, history lesson for some of you. But you know what I mean? There's a great podcast called The Dollop. A friend of mine, Gareth Reynolds, is the co-host. Dropping names over here, everyone. He, um, he's a great dude, a very funny stamp comedian, great writer, too. That podcast is like history. They do like each episode would be about like something in history. So I think I could kind of do like an episode where it's like, all right, let's talk about the 1998 Cubs and then do something. That'd be kind of a fun thing to do for the offseason in between all the hot stove stuff. I don't want to talk about the offseason because there's still plenty of baseball to be played by these Cubs. But the reason I want to talk about the 2018 is because I think that's when everything kind of turned to negative town loudly. Um, Because 2017, I know a lot of people, there were people who weren't happy with 2017. Look, no team has repeated as World Series champions since 99-2000 Yankees. It's a very hard thing to do. Their World Series hangover thing is real. That's a reality. A lot of teams don't even make the playoffs the following year. So if I had any qualms about the 2017 Cubs, uh, that's when I think we first got a glimpse into Madden really not having a feel for his bullpen. We obviously saw it in Game 7 in, in the playoffs. I don't think we noticed it in 2016 because there was just the Cubs were just so dominant. There were so many games. The Cubs were up 7-1, 8 5-0. So you weren't really, no one even cared. You don't notice bullpen. There's not a lot of tough bullpen decisions when you're always kicking ass. So I think 2017, that was, and then, you know, obviously there's the trade. Jose Quintana, by the way, if we don't acquire him, we don't, we probably don't win the division in 2017. And we won 92 games that year. That was three games less than the 2018 Cubs, the 2018 Cubs, which someone to get into that everyone seems to hate so much. A 95 win team that, yeah, obviously ended badly losing to the Brewers in the one game or the tie breaker game game 163 and then losing to uh the rockies at the wild card game i was at that game too that was a really rough game to be at anyway um the quintana trade did not pan out the way we thought it would again though i want to i don't like when people rewrite history I, a lot of people said we could add verlander there was a there was yeah verlander wanted to come become a cub it was late august we weren't as desperate for a starter, although Lackey wasn't doing well. And it seemed like Detroit was asking for a little bit much. Quintana was good for us down the stretch, though. I remember he had some, he had some really big games for us. So the trade at that point seemed fine. At the time, I remember being like, Eloy and Cease seems like a little bit of a price tag, but you're getting three years of a guy who was like top 10 in the AL in war the previous couple seasons and was, again, going into his prime. Here's the thing, everyone. You can make the right move and get the wrong result sometimes. That happens. Don't some people have like it's a thing called outcome bias. Where they what happens is how they determine whether or not it was the right move. No, there's things where it's like, no, that was the right call. It just didn't work out. That happened, you know, that's part of baseball. And I think that's another thing that's really driven me nuts. Guys, when you go down one nothing in the first inning, it isn't over. And again, I'm not talking about this recent stretch because some people are just trying to be funny or they're just so angry. They're like, here we go again. We're I just, I just, that attitude, that attitude. I just thought we'd let it go. I thought we let it go once we won a World Series. I thought the winning culture that Theo and Jed and Madden, I thought that was all, I thought they let go of that lovable losers nonsense, that here we go again, that same old Cubs. I thought all that shit was going away. But it's, it's come back. Like I said just a little bit earlier, I'm going to fight it. I don't want it to take over. I don't want that culture back. I don't want it back in this town. So I'm going to fight it. So, yes, that trade. Obviously, Eloy, I think he got pulled out of the game today with an injury, though. He's a DH. 
White Sox fan, friends of mine. You guys know he is a DH, right? I've never seen a more unathletic 23-year-old. The way he chases down a, a ball, he really he makes Kyle Schwarber look like Jason Hayward. By the way, Schwarber's, I think, yeah, he had he needed, by the way, kudos to David Ross. I think that move worked out, pulling Schwarber the way he did. I, I, you know, he had to send a message somehow, and, and Schwarber responded the next game. Obviously, the game after that, we didn't do anything. So it worked out. Um, now, I don't. I didn't mind the Quintana trade. People forget that year, 2017. Justin Verlander was a worse pitcher than Jose Quintana at that moment. Because that trade was at the All Star break, which was around July 14th that year, I believe. So up until that point, Jose Quintana was clearly the better pitcher. Who was, and he was much younger. And he had more left on his deal, and his deal was way more cost-efficient, team-friendly deal going forward. So that's why that trade made more sense. Obviously, looking back, Verlander has been was great. He looks like he's done now, though. Got a major injury. He's going to have to have surgery on his shoulder or something like that. I can't recall. But uh, also, I think, there, I think there was some cheating on the pitching side in Houston. I do. We have these guys whose spin rates go out of control out of nowhere. And that's the thing, too. They weren't developing pitching. They were just trading for guys who were all automatic all-stars. Not that Verlander wasn't great before, but and Granky and all these other guys, and they all just got a lot better. So I definitely think there was a little something going on over there. You know what I mean? A little, little cheating down in Houston. We already know it's on the offensive side. Why would they do it on the pitching side? Why don't they question? Why didn't everyone in baseball question that? So the 2018 Cubs, going into that offseason, major trenches were happening now i don't know how many of them were necessary but they they made some moves now they picked you darvish over jake arietta love jake arietta come for life in my eyes guy's amazing there maybe even could have been the world series mvp went 2-0 fantastic pitcher you darvish was the right call we're obviously seeing that a lot of cubs fans were mad at you darvish's 2018 season we now know he's he's been amazing he's a Cy Young candidate um that the rest of that contract looks like a bargain if he's going to be pitching like that. Theo, great signing. Made the right decision. Now, you was not good in 2018. And we know now because the Astros, I'm not going to say they shattered his confidence because that's not really, he's still a confident guy who's working hard. What they did was make him think there was a problem when there was not a problem. He was under the assumption that I must have been tipping my pitches because they were lighting me up. So clearly something's going on. So he was fixing a problem that didn't exist. That's what the Astros did. They should really, I still can't believe they weren't fined more. They should be banned from postseason play for a couple years. They should do something. They're really, ugh, scumbags. Anyhow, um, so yeah, so we get nothing, no real contributions from you, Darvish, that year. And Chris Bryant was injured for the first time. Misses 60 games. So you have Chris Bryant missing 60 games. You Darvish contributing nada, and you still win 95 games. Still. What were the other big signings that year going in? Brandon Morrow, Tyler Chatwood. Now, Chatwood was terrible that year. Really bad. Like, walked everybody. Just hated throwing strikes. He's like, strike? I don't want to. That's, it was just weird. Did not like, and he's got electric stuff, as we've seen in, in glimpses earlier this year. It was a shame. I was really lo- looking forward to a healthy Chatwood who had figured it out. I was rooting for the guy. 
Didn't didn't uh, didn't work out though. Now I think if Theo and Jed know that spending was just going to be shut down real quick, I don't think they make those moves. I, maybe Morrow they make because they li- liked his stuff a lot and they actually had a plan for Morrow. I don't know a lot of Cubs fans were privy to this. There was there was a couple articles written by it, but it was not emphasized enough. Brandon Morrow was never supposed to pitch three days in a row. He pitched three days in a row, and, he, and that third day was a game he should not have been in because Madden did a terrible job running the bullpen. Then, like a few days later, that's when the injury happened. And I think that's what kind of ended the Madden run. Now, he came back for the 2019 season because I think Theo, being a classy guy, was like, this guy won a World Series here. I want him to play out his contract. He deserves that. Hopefully, things work out better in 2019. 2018 was obviously an ugly finish. But that hurt the Cubs. It made the bullpen weaker in the second half of that season. Now, Brandon Morrow in 2018, first half, was elite. Look at those first half numbers, or his only numbers, because he only pitched the first half in 2018. Elite. So right there, you're thinking, all right, guy got injured. Still not going to knock that as a signing. It's only a two-year deal, too. So too many, not too many two-year deals are you going to be really that mad about. Now, Chatwood at three years, giving you nothing at $13 million in a rotation spot. Yeah, that one hurts. But I really believe if Theo and Jed know that spending was going to get shut off the way it did, they don't make that signing. They go, ah, we would like him. He had, Tyler Chatwood had the lowest road ERA in baseball in 2017. We get him out of Coors. We believed in him. But, yeah, money's a little tight. We're going to give Mike Montgomery the number five spot. And hopefully that works out for him. He's got a nasty curveball. We like his makeup. He was a starter in glimpses in the past. This time we're going to give him a full run. And if it doesn't work out, then you can make the trade that they ended up making for Cole Hamels, and that worked out great. So, that's the, that gives you options going in. Now, why did the spending shut down? Well, we've heard that the renovations budget was way overboard, but I also want to give the Ricketts family kudos for not using tax dollars for that, so some credit there. Uh, I don't know why the, they apparently the budget got way out of whack. I don't know. They don't watch HGTV. They don't know how to stretch a budget. I don't know why they didn't get the property brothers in. The one dude probably would have been like, hey, how about this? And the other guy would be like, I'll start de- demoing right now. Probably could have done that, saved us some bucks. I don't know why we didn't do that kind of thing. So that's that sucks. And that's why I think they were like, all right, we can't just lose that completely. And I also think there was part of Theo that going into 2019, you know, because they didn't do any spending after that 2018 season. You know, he famously said the offense is broken. I think he was probably a little upset because that season just ended in such a sour note. And I think he was a little shocked. He's like, these guys all be going in their prime. I don't know what happened. I don't know why they were going on prolonged slumps. Because really in 2018, Rizzo had a strong second half. Baez was amazing all year. He faded in September, though, probably because his backer from carrying the fucking team most that season. And Zobrist had a good year. Chris was hurt. Schwarber, they had that stupid leadoff experiment. Um, Oh, no, that was 2017 they did that dumb thing. 2018, actually, he got banged up and missed the last few weeks, too, if I recall. And they didn't use him well. There were times where I, 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 like, I wanted Madden look ahead to the schedule. You see we're facing, he would bench him, and it's like, well, we're facing two lefties in a row, so now he's not going to play for three days. And then you're playing him against a righty, and I know he's a, he's a young hitter who's like, I better go four for four, so I stick in the lineup. That was a lot of stuff that he did. That's where I think Madden was great for young teams, takes the pressure off like I, you know, like he's known for, let them be loose. That way they didn't care about that curse. That was always my biggest fear going into the 2016 World Series. How many times would stupid reporters be like, the curse, the curse, the curse? And luckily, that's where Madden was good. But as far as like having a feel for his talent, I think that's where he was lacking. Thank God Ian Happ finally got a full shot this year. 
And I do believe Ian Happ's for real. I know he's been scuffling lately, but he was great at the end of 2019. And I think I, look, he's got a great eye, works counts. I think he's always going to be a guy who strikes out a bit, but he's going to have a high 15% walk rate. It's awesome. So, yeah, I think you got your guy, your center fielder. You just turned 26. So I think you got your center fielder. So, again, we're going to be some good, good uh, things are going to come out of 2020, even if we don't go too deep. We're going to discover some stuff. Jason Hayward having bounced back. Hopefully that's like, you know, because he's still 31 years old. Still a few good years left on this guy. And we, we love his leadership now in the clubhouse. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into offseason stuff now. I wanted to focus on what, why 2018 gets thrown back in the Cubs' face a lot. They played the 40 games in 41 days, which was crazy. Um, yeah, and they didn't even really choke in September. They didn't. They went 16 and 12, which is like a 570 win percentage, which is only a little bit less than what the typical win percentage was for the year. The Brewers just played out of their minds. The, Bre the Brewers played like 800 ball in September. Yeah, it was unfortunate that the Cubs just struggled to score down the stretch in 2018. And I think he said they were broken, and I'm, I'm sure he wanted to mix some stuff up, but then all of a sudden he fans out that Crane Kenny doesn't know how to carry the one and screws up the fucking re Reno, Reno budget, the Reno budget. It's short for renovation, everybody. And and now it's going to affect the baseball side of things. And then there's some people who are like, well, actually all those horrible signings. That's why the Ricketts shut down spending on Theo. And I'm like, dude, if I'm Theo, I walk away. I'd be like, really? That's how you're going to re repay me? Really, I, we we went way under. We had a super low payroll during all the rebuilding years. I win you a World Series, which tripled the value of this franchise. You're going to shut down spending like that because you don't trust me? That's not what it was. I, I really, I hope to God it wasn't that the Ricketts didn't trust Theo to spend anymore. I think there were some financial mistakes. Also, the Ricketts family bought out the rest of the Tribune because the Tribune still had an ownership stake. A lot of people don't remember this. And I think that's where some of the money went to. And then unfortunately, because we went over the salary cap in 2019, a lot of that was, there was no new contracts. It was because of arbor, um, arbitration. Players got raises. That's how that goes. And then we went over budget. And it went, budget. There should be no budget. But anyway, we went over the luxury tax. We get hit with a penalty. 2019 was the first year since 2016. So 2017, 2018, we did not go over. 2019, we went over. Second highest payroll in baseball. And in 2020, because of the way things have been, we're not going to be able to get under, so we'll be going over two years in a row. Are they going to go over for a third year in a row when stuff really gets nuts? I don't think they're going to, and that's what's where it's a weird offseason coming up. We have a lot of money coming off the books. Lester's deal, Chatwood's deal, Quintana's deal, and one or two other guys. So it's probably about $50 million bucks coming off and some change, but then arbitration might eat into that. Lux tax only goes up a couple million to like 210. I think they're going to have to get a little creative. I think they'll still come right up. A, they could go right up against it. And, and have a really competitive team by being a little creative. Got a couple guys who, Edward Elzelay, I always screw up his name. Elzelay, I can't do it. I can't do it, anybody. He's Adbert. He needs a nickname. We're going to come up with a nickname for this dude. Elzelay. Elzelay? Elzelay. I'm going to work on it, I promise you. He could take a rotation spot. He'll be making like the league minimum. Uh, Marquez, I love his stuff. Who knows, maybe by the second half. I don't think they're going to rush him out there just yet because we know they're not rushing him out at all. Um, that's a spot. And then maybe you could get Alec Mills in your fifth spot. I'd like him to be like a fifth, sixth swing man. I know he threw a no-hitter this year, but stuff-wise, it's just don't pitch him back-to-back -back with Hendricks. It's a stupid move. Again, though, I really wanted to reiterate the 2018 season because I think if people could look at it the way I explained it, 
they wouldn't use that as that year to to swear off this whole core. And 2020 has been an insane year too. Normally when players get into a funk the way our players have been in a funk in a short season, guys, they go to the Admiral. That's a strip club in Chicago. It's on Lawrence near Pulaski. Never been. Driven by it, though. I have driven by it. I've seen women get off the bus over there to audition. I saw that once. I was at, I was at a red light at Lawrence and Pulaski. And these t- two girls, who were they were clearly close friends. They were like, let's go audition to be dancers. And I was like, more power to you. I don't, I don't catcall. It's not catcalling if you yell, good luck. You roll down the window and say, good luck, and then just drive by. I don't think that that's supportive. It's not catcalling. That's me being very supportive. They would blow off some steam. They would, they would go out to the go to a casino, right? This is like stuff that we were all taking for granted. I know everyone. Look, everyone's have like it's been rough for a lot of people in a lot of industries. I'm not negating that, but you still it's still hard for the industry they're in. It doesn't it totally changed everything. And for some reason, baseball punished everyone by they can't look at replays of their previous at bats during the game, which oddly Matt Spiegel on the score, who's a great dude and a great follow. He says that's actually helped Hayward because Hayward's a dude is a really smart guy and smart people tend to overthink. So they think that it always hurt him offensively before. I always thought it's because he didn't rotate his back ankle on a swing. Kind of like, you ever notice this? Like, I love Jason Hayward. He's having a great season. But watch him take his practice cuts as he's walking to the batter's box. It looks a little uncomfortable even. It's just not fluid enough. So I always thought that kind of hurt his swing. So, yeah, I just think that's another thing that people, you got to take that into consideration. It's just been a really weird year. Everything resets to zero in a couple days for the playoffs. Hopefully we go in as division champions. I think we could take two out of three from the White Sox. I think they need that spark. They need something, a little spark, because right now it's a lot of people pressing. It's a lot of people pressing. And we don't need our, we don't need our Cubs fans pressing either. We need to enjoy this shit. Obviously, there's not much to enjoy when they're not scoring runs. I get that. But there's no reason to be putting out negative vibes right now. Now that negative energy. I don't think that, that. By the way, young players that are coming up, they're going to be reading that stuff. You think they're going to be? They think that's, that's going to affect them positively? Cubs' first round pick is an 18, 19 year old kid out of Chicago. Tim Howard looks like he's going to be a stud. People said his gloves already major league caliber. I'm sure he's on social media. Gen Z is all social media. You think they're going to be looking forward to playing for this fan base if their Twitter timelines are getting filled with the negative stuff I'm getting filled with? And it's people I don't even follow. That's what kills me. I see these posts and these comments. And I'm just like, come on. Even people I love on air that I think are really good overall, they're airing their frustrations on. I just think they're not doing it in the most healthy way possible. Like I've said before, I don't want to see that culture come back. I don't want to see that lovable loser shit come back. I'm about winning. I am about winning. I'm about having a good time and enjoying the hell out of that winning. That's what it's about for me. So thank you, everyone, for checking out the first episode of A Cubs Pod to be named later. Again, I don't know if that's going to be the name. But um, I've been your host, Joe Kilgallen, everybody. Uh, you guys are awesome. Um, check out all my stuff on YouTube. And let's finish this season out strong. I don't know how obvious, I don't know how often. Sorry, everyone, it's late over here. It's like 1030 at night on a Thursday. I don't know how, and I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I don't know how often I'm going to be doing them, but I'll probably be a few a week. And I'll be doing my Cubs postgame recaps on Twitter. And again, thanks for everyone who's following me on Twitter. And if you're new, uh, you don't know who the hell I am. I'm a Cubs fan like you, but I'm here to preach positivity because I want everyone to enjoy this run. And this run's not going to end because I think, I will say last point, if we do have to do like a, I don't think we have to do another big rebuild, okay? 
I know the farm system isn't where it's supposed to be, but there's still a, this was a hard year too because there's no growth because there's no minor leagues. But I definitely think it's was pointing in the right direction. You had four top 100 prospects going in. I think if anything, the Cubs might have to have like a year like the Yankees had a few years ago in 2016, where you sadly we might have to make some trades to some players that we don't want to see go, and then and then come out strong and have another long window. Seven year window people predicted at 20 at the start of 2015. They go this this is going to be a good. You know, teams typically have a good seven-year championship window when you start as young as the Cubs were starting in 2015. And if I would have told you after six years of that window, you'd have five postseason appearances, three NLCS appearances, and a World Series, World Series victory, you'd take that every time. Thanks for listening.